0: Hi, ah, good evening everybody. We're going to uh, be dealing with a topic that we are continuing on from our philosophy series, which is the topic of, has the Torah ever changed? We've been dealing with a number of different elements of the concept of uh, Jewish philosophy and the like. And this is the first time we've been venturing into the text itself. It is the Torah text that we have today, exactly the same as the Torah text that you received um, at Sana. So the point of departure on our sources is, the first is the Rambam's uh, commentary on the Mishnah. So the Rambam wrote a famous commentary to what's called Perikhelech, which is the chapter in Masech Sanhedrin, the tractates of Sanhedrin, which deals with the um, elements of uh, faith and the fundamentals of faith and, and who gets to go to heaven, who doesn't get to go to heaven. So the topic that he deals with over here is uh, regarding the... Um, the what he calls the 13 principles of faith. Now these become known, as we call them, as the uh, the animamims or yigdal. These are different elements of the service that uh, really sort of lay out these 13 different principles. So we're familiar with those of uh, Himota Mashiach and Hoping for Mashiach and, and various other things. But in case in point, we're going to be talking about the, the what's the eighth principle, which is the fact that the Torah we have today is the Torah that we received at Sanah. And, um, and it hasn't changed, and the Torah we have today is the one we were always given. Now, the question with that is, is that entirely true? And uh, we've opened up our first source here, which is the Rambam, which is commentary in the Mishnah, which is as follows. The eighth foundation is that the Torah is from heaven, and it must be believed that the whole Torah, which is in our hands today, is the Torah that is brought down to Moses, our teacher, and that all of it is from God by the transmission, which is called metaphorically speech. So it has all been transmitted to Moshe by speech, that no one knows the quality of the transmission except to whom it was transmitted, i.e. Moshe, and it was dictated to him while he was a scribe. And he wrote down all of its dates and all the stories and all the laws, and he was the lawgiver. Now you should I understand. It says the Rambam. He continues: "There is no difference between these are the sons of he, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mitzrayim, Fut, and Canaan, and the name is, was Machat Abel, the daughter of Matred." He quotes two seemingly uh, insignificant psukim in the Torah, and it says: "There is no difference between that and Shmaysal Shemekem Hashem Echad. Every verse is from Mashem and everything is holy. Everything from the mouth of the mighty one. Everything is the Torah of God, whole, pure, and true." So. Number one is the fact that Hashem gave all the dictated the entire Torah to Moshe and every letter of it is pure, which you would know is the, where the whole um, halacha comes, that if there's one thing in the Torah that is not true, so that uh, so there's one letter that is wrong, so the whole Torah gets, um, the whole Torah gets, um, the whole Torah gets, sorry again, that the whole Torah is, um, is not kosher, not kosher if, if it has the situation where just one of those um, verses is untrue. Sorry, just get back to the scene. So, similarly, it ca- carries on, says the Rambam. And every letter of the Torah contains wisdom and wonders for whom God has given to understand it. His ultimate wisdom cannot be perceived as said. Its measure is greater than the earth and broader than the sea. A man can only follow the steps of David. Okay, so what we've seen in the Rambam is this idea that seemingly on a superficial level is that the Torah that we received at Sana'a is the Torah that we have today and that it hasn't changed and that it is uh, constant and that every single letter of it is holy. Now, the problem with such a view is, is that necessarily true? As much as we'd love to say that the Torah we have in the... In the, in the Aaron, is exactly the same Torah that we, we always, you know, that was given in Har Sinai. But is that, is that true? Now, just anecdotally speaking, is that if you are familiar that the Yemenite Jews were disconnected from the rest of world Jewry for thousands of years, about up to 2,000 years that there was a disconnect between the Yemenite Jews and the, and the rest of Am Israel, Not thousand, but close to a thousand years. And their Torah scrolls are not exactly the same as uh, Ashkenazi Torah scrolls. Granted, there are not that many differences between Ashkenazi and and Yemenite Torah scrolls, but nevertheless, there is a difference between them. And if we're going to say that, uh, hold on a second, that uh, every single letter is 100% exactly the same, and anyone who changes the Torah is a problem. So, hold on a second. So, either our Torahs are no good, or the Yemenite Torahs are no good, or Svari Torahs are no good, or, or all of them are no good. So, so that is where one of the problems comes in. Is the Torah we have today, is it in fact the Torah that we received at Sinai? And the answer shortly is going to be pretty much no. But let's carry on because one of the things that's going to become quite fascinating is that even though the Rambam seems to be pretty clear that one of the fundamentals of faith, the eighth fundamental of faith is that the Torah we have today is the Torah God at Sinai, we're going to see that where did the Rambam get that from? And we'll, we'll get to a bit of a, a conclusion about it. But let's go through a couple of the sources before and to see how did the rabbis from Talmudic era up until modernity understand this idea of the Torah script never having changed. So, first is the Gemara in Baba Batra. It says as follows, So that what the Gemara in here is dealing with, is who were the authors of various uh, of rebe- various Tanakhic documents? So it goes with Moshe. What did Moshe write? And now it's going. What did Joshua write? So it says, "Amama, Yosheu katab So Joshua wrote his book, i.e., the book of Joshua, u'shmona as well as the last eight verses in the Torah. Now the last eight verses in the Torah are the verses that talk about the death of Moses, that that's where Moses died and that's where Moses was buried and and the things that come after. So it's not feasible in the eyes of the Gomorrah that Moses wrote about himself in the past tense, that that's where Moses died and that's where Moses was buried, if Moses was still alive. So it says the Gomorrah that Joshua wrote them uh come so it says Sure cut from the Tanya. So where do we know? How do we know that Joshua wrote them? So it says the verse says It Moshe Ever Hashem says that Moses, the servant of Hashem, died. Moshe mate Oh sorry, I just lost it. Moshe mate. Is it possible that Moses was dead and he's writing that Moses died? No, can't be. Must be the fact that Moses um, that Joshua wrote it. So the Gemara continues and says, uh, Rather, the Torah from Bereshit up until the last eight verses in the Torah was written by Moshe, but from that point onwards was written by Joshua. <coughs> so the Gemara doesn't like that because the Gemara one says, Hold on a second, says, how can you say that? He says, If the Torah is missing one letter, the whole thing is not kosher. How could it be? So the Gemara gives a different solution. It says, well, really what happens, Moshe wrote it, Bedema. So this word Bedema, which is over here, comes and says, um, what it means is that Moshe wrote it seemingly with invisible ink or with his tears. Dema, from Demaot, means tears. But one or another, you already see in the Gemara this idea that, that, um, that it is possible that the Torah we have today was not necessarily all written by Moshe. Already the Gemara starts arguing that. But more than that, and this is something that does have a lot of practical halachic ideas. So it says here, this is a Gemara in Kedushin, it says as follows, Nefichach Nikro Rishonim. So in the, 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 the Talmud is talking about the fact that there were people that were called the Rishonim, the early ones. And why were they called nikro Rishonim? So How hayu, sofrim kolot otiot. So it says, the early ones were called Sofrem, were called the counters. So the rabbis of old were called the counters. Why were they called counters? So they would count all the letters in the Torah. And they said that the Vav in the word Gachon, Gachon means, uh, on, it's talking about the, the snake on its belly, on its Gachon. So it says, that Vav is the, so let me just give my little pen here. That Vav in Gachon, that is the middle letter of the Torah. So it says, the Gemara, So the word, Darash, um, Darash, in Parashat Shemini, that is the middle of the words in the Torah. And it quotes a verse, it says, that's the middle Pasuk. So, I don't know, to so, say so there's, a, you know, a thousand Psukim in the Torah. So, this one's Pasuk 500. If there's a million letters, this is 500,000. And if there are a million and a hundred, hundred thousand words, this is the 50,000th word. Now, Gomorrah says, now they say, So, he so, says, Rabbi Yosef, Vav de Gachon, Mihai Gisa, Umihai Gisa so the the Gomorrah is starting with an assumption that it's the middle, but from which side, so I guess it's like an even number it's assuming yes, so you can only have a middle middle if there are an even or if an odd number of letters. Here's an assumption that it's uh that they're an even number, so is it the you know is it the last letter of the first half or the first letter of the second half okay so you so the Gemara asks a very simple, very simple solution for this. So if I said to you, what's the middle letter of the Torah? So you say, oh, someone says it's gachon. says, oh, okay, how do you know? He says, very simple. You count it. says, I'm going to say, So I tell you what, let's take out a Sefer Torah. Let's count all the letters in it. Divide it by two and see what. And then, so let's say there's a million letters in it. So we get to 500,000. So let's count 500,000 letters from the first word. And that's exactly where you are. So, says the Gomorrah, So, why don't they count it? It says, no, 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 you can't do that. It's not going to work. Why? So, in Hebrew, you've got letters, that, you've got words that are called uh, Malay and Chaser, which are called plean, let me the exact which are called Deficient and plean. So, in Hebrew, it's Chaser or male. So there certain words that can be written with certain letters or without them. The most common one is a vav. So for example, the word name Yaakov. So Yaakov could be written two ways. Yud-Ein-Kuf-Bet, which is the way it's usually written. But it could also be written Yud-Ein-Kuf-Vav-Bet. Because the, the, the vowel or can be left out and inferred or can have a letter vav to imply it. And throughout the Torah, you'll find many, many words that are sometimes written with the Vav and sometimes written without the Vav. So the Gomorrah's answer is here, well, we can't count the letters. Why? Because we don't know. There might be some Torahs are going to have the Vavs and some are not going to have the Vavs and some are going to have Hays or Alephs or or possibly even irons, different letters that theoretically you uh, you don't need and it doesn't affect the, the, the meaning of the word and it doesn't affect the the, the, uh, the, the, the translation of the word. So you need it. So if, uh, a, a classic example of this. The name of Yaakov's son Yisachar. So if you go look at Yisachar, the way it's spelled is Yud-Sam-Shin-Shin. Shin. So if you read it like that, it should be pronounced Yisachar. But it is almost universally pronounced as Yisachar with only one Samach, with, uh, with one, only one Shin. So then comes the question. So if you had a sefer Torah that only had one shin, so it would pronounce it exactly the same. So what you have is that there's seemingly with, with Yaakov with a vav and Yaakov without a vav sounds exactly the same. So already in the Gomorrah you've got this idea that it is impossible to to find what the middle letter is because we don't know if the sefer Torah we have is exactly the same as the sefer Torah that Moshe had because maybe we've got a vav that he didn't have or we don't have a vav that he did have. So it's impossible. So already you start seeing that. From the time of the Gomorrah, we don't know if the Torah we have is exactly the same as the Torah that Moshe had. And therefore, we can't tell the middle of it. So, meanwhile, we've gotten from the Rambam. The Rambam says that any part of the Torah that is, uh, that is wrong, the whole thing's no good. You have to believe that the Torah is exactly the same that was given to Moshe of Sinai. And yet, the Gomorrah itself is already coming and saying <coughs> it's not, not really true. Alright, now just to add a little bit of insult to injury, there are a number of different sources in the Torah and the commentaries which come to suggest that this is going to be a little bit problematic. So look at the following. Now I'm quoting Rashi. This is in Parsha Teruma. And it's talking about the, the, the cherubs on top, of the, um, on top of the Arana Kodesh and how Hashem would communicate with B'nai Yisrael through the cherubs. So it says, l'cha <laughs> And I will make myself known to you there. And I will speak to you from the, uh, the Kaporet, which is the covering. From between the two cherubs. That are on the Ark of the Covenant. Everything that I will command you to command to B'nai Israel. Okay, so it's basically that I will make myself known to you through the wings of the the cherubs from atop the uh, Ark. So Rashi says as follows, for everything that I command to B'nai Yisrael. This Vav on V'et, and says, and all that which I command you, says this is a Vav Yotare It's It's an insignificant Vav. It doesn't really add any value. And there are many of these, uh, let's call them superfluous vavs throughout the Torah. tifater He gives a few examples. But what's the problem? You look at our text, there's no vav. So Rashi saying the vav, it's superfluous, it's not a necessary vav. But the text that Rashi was using clearly had a vav. So much so that he had to make the comment that uh, this vav is insignificant. But he only makes it because there's a vav there. So Rashi's text of the Torah, and this is just one example in Rashi. There are many examples in Rashi where you're going to have this idea that the text that Rashi has is not the text that we have, showing that the Sefer Torah we have is different to the Sefer Torah that Rashi had. Granted, 99% of the time, it's not something significant. Like, I mean, this is a perfect example. It's a vav. The vav in this context, rather than being a vowelization, like we said regarding Yaakov, the vav here is coming as as meaning the word and. It says, doesn't really add anything, but put in the end. But nevertheless, the fact is that it is not entirely true. So, if Rashi seemingly, if we're going to go according to Rambam, our Sefer Torahs, we'll either say our Safer would have to be chucked or repaired because they're not kosher because they don't have the vav, or Rashi's has to be repaired because it does have the vav. One way or another. So that's another, another, another source of the literally the same idea. The next source of to brig is from uh, the Parshat Kedoshim. Parshat Kedoshim, something very similar that we, we just saw in Rashi. So, it's a passage, And should there be a ger, a convert, living in your in your land, you should not oppress it. So, there's a, a convert living with you. Now, the Orachayim, one of the commentaries, I didn't bring him here. But the Orachayim is one of the... Um, uh, the more mystical commentators, he asked the question, why well, it says, if there's a, a convert living with you, in your land, so it is is singular, is plural, so he asked the question, why does it start with singular and end in plural, but if you look at the way the Gomorrah, looks at it, I don't have to go through the Gomorrah, but look how it says, so it's dealing with uh, whatever it's dealing with, um, so it says, uh, you've got to stand in front of the uh, Old Livah, and, and immediately afterwards it quotes a pasuk, Ki and it quotes a verse to support the point that it's trying to make, but just look how it quotes, quotes the pasuk. It says, Ki it's in the plural, meaning that the Gemara is quoting a pasuk that we don't have. So we see time and time again that the Torah, as we have it today, is not exactly the same as the Torah, either that the Gemara had or that uh, the you know, Rashi had or, or, or the, whatever the commentators are. So it leaves us with this very difficult situation where we have this, we, we have this idea that you have a, a Torah that um, is, according to the Rambam, never going to change and it's the one that was given to us by Moshe Har Sinai. But the reality is it's is not that there have been many changes that have happened since. All right, sorry, I'm, I'm not having much nachas here with my scrolling. Give me two secs. All right. So, now, just to make... So, I, I, we've brought a number of Gomorrahs, which seem to say that they accept the fact that the Torahs we have are not consistent. And then we have Rashi. We have a uh, Gomorrah quoting Psukin differently to it. But for not, just to make it even, uh, even a starker issue, is there's a, there's a book called The Emmet Liakov of Yaakov Kamineski. So, now we're talking... Rav Yaakov passed away in the 1980s. So this is a reasonably recent cipher. And he's dealing with no one else other than the Rambam himself. And look how he says here. -hmm. He's quoting a pasuk which is talking about not going in the ways of the non-Jews, that we should not follow their, 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 their customs and the like. And it says, So is it, that the, is it in singular or plural? So he says, The Rambam says, "Kotev ha-goyim. Quotes the verse, You should not go in the chukot of the goyim. It says, Now he quotes, Where do you see this? We see this in the morning of Uchim, the Rambam's guard to the perplex. So it says, It says, so he quotes the verse that you should not go in the, in the uh, customs of the non-Jews. <veryros> so other places he writes, goal, the same verse, but the singular. In so the Rambam's counting of the mitzvahs, so the mitzvah that he says is that we should not go long in the way of heretics. As it says, we should not go in the way of the Goyim, of the, of the nations. So it sounds like the Rambam is quoting a verse from the Torah that you should not go in the way of the non-Jews. The problem is, the text doesn't say that. The text says you should not go in the way of the Chukot goy, not the Chukot Agoyim. So meaning, the Rambam himself has a different text to what we are talking about. So not only does the Gemara have the problem, not is the Rashi, not is it, the Rambam himself has got a different text to us. And you see, time and time again. So the way that the R- Rav Yaakov explains this, um, so he says, um, so, um, should I so the way he explains it, it's not over here, he explains it elsewhere, is that he says that, you know, the Rambam was writing off the top of his head. Now there is a, there is a prohibition. You see that any verse that is in the written Torah, you're not allowed to say Baal you're not allowed to say by HaT. And the reason for that is that we shouldn't come to make a mistake about it. But um, similarly over here. Is that the Rambam was just quoting the Pasuk? He knew that the he made a mistake. That's the way that Rabbi Yaakov wanted to understand. He made a mistake when he quoted he thought it was in the plural. He wasn't literally quoting the Pasuk. He was uh, off off the top of his head quoting the Pasuk and he got should have been singular wrote a plural, but he's not as his exact Pasuk. Uh, it's difficult to explain it that way, but that's the way he wants to explain it. But even Halachalamai saying we don't know this, because this is an area where we are very um uh, we, 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 we're not that meticulous with So as we said, so if, if a Sefer Torah, if you take out a Sefer Torah and you read it And it turns out that it's pasul, that there's something wrong with it. So what do we do? So the general rule is that you got to you got to fix it. You got to fix it You can't read from the Sefer Torah. You got to return it. So when I was in the army um, It was Yishlach, Vayishlach We took out the Sefer Torah. There was only one Sefer Torah in the on the on, on the base and the problem was that the verse, the opening, the, the parasha opens Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. Yaakov sent messengers. And instead of having a chet at the end of Yishlach, it had a kaf sofit, which means Vayashlech. means, and he threw it down. That's what Vayashlech. It's what, um, it's what Moshe does to the tablets. It's Vayashlech. So the guy who is reading from the Torah, he starts with Vayishlach. El Mamish, the first word of the parasha was a mistake. So what do you do? So we didn't have another Sefer Torah, so we did what we did. But if you had another Sefer Torah, you'd have to put it in and take it out. You know, take another. What happens if you find a mistake, but the mistake is on those, what we call those, clean or, or missing. So it's, it's uh, there should be a vav and there's no vav. Or there should be a hay and there's no hay or whatever the case might be. What do we do in those cases? So halacha paskund is that you don't you, you just leave it. You, so you read a word and I, and I see there's a vav where there shouldn't be a vav. So what do we do? You just carry on reading. Why? So the remark this is that because what do you think the safer Torah inside is going to be more reliable than the safer Torah? No safer Torah is 100% reliable. Everyone's got mistakes in it. So what makes you think that the one you're going to take out is going to be more reliable than the one you got out? It's not. On these issues, again, if it's a word that by, by the, the typo in it, it's going to change the meaning. So that's a that's a problem. But if it's not going to change the meaning, it's just it's written incorrectly. So the is that no, we don't change it. Now the, the, this is another number of different other halachic ramifications. So read in the name of the Khatam Sofer says that you don't make a bracha on writing. so It's a mitzvah to write a sefer Torah. So there's no there's no bracha on why no bracha because you're going to make mistakes because every sefer Torah has got mistakes. So therefore, I mean, if you think about it. If every you know every sefer Torah at some point or another is just the the quantity of the of the of the uh, of the work is so great that the likelihood of it never having a mistake is very rare and mistakes will always be found so they're like your mezuzah so how do they how they find mistakes in the mezuzah so you've got to look at it in one of uh, two ways assuming the mistake it's not like a smudge or something but assuming that it was a missing letter so how the the software was incompetent or Something mystically took out a letter or added a letter, those are your two options, but uh, it's more likely to be on the incompetent side and not so much incompetence, just the fact that our eyes uh, sometimes don't see it, we miss it. So, bringing this all together now, we have the reality that the Rambam, despite the fact of very, very harsh language saying that um, that the Torah we have today is exactly the same Torah, a carbon copy of what was given to Moshe at Sinai. Eh? The reality is, this is not. And no one seems to think that it is. And there's no one alive today, both from, from the times of the Gomorrah, the Rishonim, to the modern-day Poskim, that thinks that every Sefer Torah today is literally exactly the same as the one given at Mount Sinai. So what do we do with the Rambam? So there are going to be a couple of approaches. One does not have to understand the mistakes, but rather one has to understand what the Rambam is saying. So let's look at, this is from a, a book called The Fundamentals in Faith, which is, a, uh, I'm not mistaken, it's a Feldheim publication um, written by the late Rav Yaakov Weinberg, who was the Rosh Yeshiva in Israel, Baltimore. Um, his late brother was Rav Noah Weinberg, the Rosh Yeshiva of Asha Torah. He wrote a book on the 13 principles of faith, and he says as follows, Rambam knew very well that there were variations existed when he defined his principles. The words of Ani Mamin and the words of the Rambam, the entire Torah in our possession today, must not be taken literally, implying that all the letters of the present Torah are the exact letters given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Rather, it should be understood in a general sense that the Torah we learn and live by is for all intents and purposes the same Torah given to Moshe Rabban. So, <coughs> so the way Rabbi Yaakov is explaining it is that understand that the Rambam doesn't mean that literally word for word is exactly saying, it's just the, 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 the Torah we have today is the Torah that Moshe got at Sinai. So we, we put on Sevillean, they put on Sevillean. We shake a Lulav, they shake a Lulav. Ah, there's an Aleph here, there's a Hay there. Yes, possibly. But in essence, the Torah in a, is, is almost a carbon copy. And definitely from a conceptual point of view, it is an absolute carbon copy of what we had at Sinai. But it is not word for word what we got at Sinai. Another one of the explanations, which is um, I've seen through a um, through numbers, there's a book called The Limits of Orthodox Theology by Professor Mark Shapiro, which uh, I've leaned on quite a bit for the preparation this year. But he wants to, I think it was him who wanted to suggest that what was the goal of the 13 principles of faith? Now, historically, Judaism is not really known for dogma, of the idea that... Um, that there are fundamentals that you have to believe. Christianity has always been very big on you have to believe certain things. But Judaism hasn't been big on that. Judaism has been much more you've got to do certain things, uh, mitzvot, but not so much you have to believe certain things. So why did the Rambam really uh, drive this whole point home? So it says you have to look at it contextually, why, what was happening in the Rambam at the, mo- at the time. And it was based largely on the idea of trying to fight against not Christianity but Islam. Fundamentalist Islam. We see throughout the Rambam's writings that there were many Jews in in in, in, in uh, Yemen and other places that were really copying it, either to try forcibly convert. Which the famous letter that he wrote to the Yemenite Jews, um, encouraging them that it is not a problem, not a problem, but it is uh, it is it is permissible if need be to convert to Islam superficially, um, in order to save your lives. But um, but the whole idea of having fundamentals was to distinguish and to try to draw some lines in the sand between the difference between Islamic theology and Jewish theology. So it was never really meant as an internal document for, let's say, the believers amongst us. It was written very much for the laymen out there and to show them what we believe as opposed to what others believe. So rather than being a, a doctrine of Jewish theology that we have to to, you know, hold on to as a dogma, it is much more something that has been written for people to be able to un- understand and appreciate where Judaism is and how it is different to other faiths. Um, this is consistent with the Rambam in general. So the Rambam wrote a number of different works, but everyone is targeting the the simple the simple Jew, not the Talmud Chachem. So, for example, the Rambam's great work, the, the Mishnah Torah, was written for people so they don't have to open up Talmud because he says we, we, we're not capable of understanding the Talmud. Rabbi Berowan mentions it a number of times. He, he says the fact that uh, every rabbi who's come to try to simplify Judaism has only made it more complex. And so Rambam, attempting to simplify Jewish law, has made it even harder to follow because for every. Uh, the, we, so instead of having the Torah and the commentaries, now we have the Rambam and a million commentaries on the Rambam I'm trying to understand the Rambam. But that idea is that he's writing for simple people. And, and simple not being ignorant, not, not being simple-minded, but just you don't have the, the tools of the entire Torah at the fingertips. So you want to know what you believe. Those are 13 principles of faith. So not to be understood literally like Rabbi Yaakov said, but rather to be understood in a much broader context. And so therefore, when we see that there are texts with variants around them, it need not be a crisis of faith and it need not contradict the Rambam. Because at the end of the day, uh, the Rambam didn't truly really mean that uh, the Torah we have today is the Torah God got at Sahnar. Alright, everybody, thank you for joining us and thanks to those on Facebook and the like. Any questions, please unmute yourself. Otherwise, uh, wish you all a pleasant evening. Any questions? Going, going, gone. Alright, everybody, have a wonderful evening. I'm Laila Tov, and I please God see you next week. All the best.